0: Open your Bibles with me to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 6. We're going to enjoy this this morning. I, I had planned to dive back into our Zechariah series this first Sunday, but I thought it would be good to do something to help us kick off the new year. Next week we'll be back in Zechariah, and uh, I'm excited about that. How many of you want to see the way the story ends? It's a, we're, we're going to enjoy that. Um, But I thought that this would be a really good way to kick off our new year. How many of you want 2014 to be better than 2013? Amen. Uh, So do I. I I can imagine. Now, How many of you are with me that the diet has to begin this week? Any of you? Any of you uh, on that? Yeah. When uh, I'm noticing that if I do this, that can lose weight very quickly if I just do this. Uh, the, the, the collar's a little small. I can't get my pants up where they're supposed to be. You know, there's something in the way. And all of those issues that we all... That, not all of us. That none of you ladies, of course, many of you men, we all have, have this. Um, other things, you know, uh, somebody's going to have a resolution to do better with their schedule or uh, spend more time with the family or finish the project at home that they started, whatever it is, whatever it is. I think that all of us, we really do want 2014 to be better than 2013. And I think that it can be. I'm excited about Grace Baptist Church. I'm here at the end of the service. I want to tell you about our projects and some of the plans that we have and kind of update you on what's going on with that. But what are some things that we can do to make sure that 2014 is a great year? So if you have something to write on, we're going to have a great 2014. We're going to use the acrostic, great. Look at uh, the, the first one. Is Number one is give. Give. Now, you might be thinking, Pastor, for the new year, the first thing you're going to talk about is giving. Yes, but not in the way that you're thinking. Look at, uh, look at Romans chapter 6 and verse 13. The Bible says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So don't yield yourselves to sin. Yield yourselves to righteousness. All right? Look at verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves, servants to obey... His servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. All right, now look at verse 19. I speak after the manner of men, because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness, and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness. And holiness. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, help us now as we try to kick off this year and get our minds around what you would have us to do. Lord, help us with these simple thoughts, these simple principles to be your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the G on how to have a great 2014 give yourself to God. Give yourself completely to God. Yield yourself to Him. Now, I want you to understand something. God's not going to take you until the rapture comes. We're all going to be taken away. And I heard a preacher say this years ago. Some people during the rapture, they're going to go up kicking and screaming. They love the world so much, they're going to be trying to hold on to it when they're going up. Now, I don't know that that's actually going to happen. But the idea is to willingly yield yourself to righteousness. Now, I want you to think about something. You can only yield yourself to two things, sin or righteousness. Because if it's not righteous, what is it? Sin. It's sin. So you've got two options. And this is where it's really important. Think about it this way. Have you ever stepped into a moving stream or a moving river? Have you ever done that? We uh, On one of our Baptist history tours, we went to see the grave of Martin Gamble, uh, Gamble. And as we went there, we had to go down the new river. And so we got in canoes. And it was so funny seeing some of these fat preachers in canoes. This one guy, as he was stepping out, he stepped on the edge of the canoe and it flipped. And, and this guy was as wide as he was tall. He looked like an orca spinning on the shore. It was so funny. Hilarious. This guy I went to college with. So I was very graceful, gracious and merciful to him. I laughed my head off. It was awesome. But what was so funny was we got in those canoes and what was hard is somebody had to hold that canoe Because it was going to go whether you wanted it to go or not because it was moving water. I want you to understand something. This world, does this world want to take you to righteousness or sin? All right, so now here's the deal. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit of God in you. The Holy Spirit of God wants to take you to righteousness. The world wants to take you to sin. Who are you going to yield yourself to? And look at the words that the Bible uses. Look at verse uh, 13 again. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness. What are your members? Your hands, your feet, your mind, your tongue. It, it's. Are you going to yield yourself to sin, or are you going to yield yourself to righteousness? So here's the question for 2014. Are you going to give yourself to God this year? No. We need to qualify this. It's really important that we understand. You only get saved once. But when you're born again, someone will say, "Uh, do you really believe in once saved, always saved? Absolutely. And I believe once in hell, always in hell. Once in heaven, always in heaven. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? This is very simple. Have you ever noticed people complicate religion? They're really complicated. Here's the deal. You're either saved or you're lost. It's not a process. It's not you yield yourself to righteousness and somewhere along the way you're righteous enough to go to heaven. Because even as you yield yourself to righteousness, your body is still completely full of sin. We're sinners. We're, we're, we're made in sin. We're born in sin and we deserve hell. Jesus Christ, by His great mercy and grace, died on the cross, gave His precious and perfect and holy body on the cross so that you and I could have eternal life. When you receive that free gift of eternal life, that is a transaction that takes place at a point in time. Amen? Now, have you ever paid off a bill... Some of you have never experienced that yet, but you, you pay off that bill. Is there, any, is there any better feeling than that? You've been under the weight of it. Maybe you've bought a business, and you work for years and years and years, and finally that's paid off, and now profit. Praise God. Just for all of you socialists, profit is okay. Okay, that's a, God wants you to profit. All right? The Bible says, What shall profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Profit is a good thing but I digress here's the, here's the issue you pay it off and you're excited but have you ever paid something off and found out you weren't done paying there was a hidden fee of some kind there was something else that you had to pay you, know, you go to the car dealer and they say the car is $15,000 then there's the document fee the filing fee the you know you're too stupid to read the fine print fee right there's the that's not the way salvation is That transaction is a completed transaction. Your sin for Christ's righteousness. What a wonderful thing. There's a song, A Wondrous Exchange. Why in the world would God give us His righteousness for our sin? Why would He take my sin and give me His holiness? It's simply His own unbelievable, supernatural mercy and grace. That's awesome. So you're either saved or you're lost. If you're saved, you can yield yourself to righteousness or you can yield yourself to unrighteousness. If you're lost, you can only yield yourself to, righteous or to, to, to unrighteousness. Look at Romans chapter 3. Verse 10. Uh, look at verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved, both Jews and Gentiles, that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God they are all gone out of the way they are together become unprofitable there is none that doeth good no not one their throat is an open sepulcher now uh, when we go down to, to the cemetery here in sydney if you see a, a, a crypt or something that's left open it's okay because there's nothing in there that's it's gone it's, it's desiccated. It's gone. Here, the open sepulcher, they, took a, they just would take, just take a dead body and place it in there until it rotted. And when it was done rotting, they'd take those bones and they put them in an ossuary, a little box about this big, and put them in a, in, a, in a family storage place for all the bones. When you see open sepulcher, this is a dying, desiccating, stinking, crumbling, worm-filled body. Just picture that for a minute. Look at what it says. Their throat is an open sepulchre, and their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Ready for this? Who's he talking about? Everyone. Everyone. There's nobody that does good. We are all sinners deserving hell. And if you want to do righteousness, the only way you can do that is to yield your members to God. Give yourself completely to Him. Remember, the salvation takes place in a moment. It's a transaction that takes place. You were lost, now you're saved. You're going to hell, now you're going to heaven. Praise God, you were part of Satan's family, now you're a part of God's family. Remember, only two families, Satan's family and God's family. What did Jesus Christ say to the Pharisees? You're of your father, the devil. You know, I've never seen that on a pillow. You're of your father, the devil. Isn't this an encouraging message for the new year? We need to understand just how great God is. And those are the people, us, that Jesus Christ died for. So who are you going to give yourself to? You're going to give yourself to righteousness. You're going to give yourself to sin. And here's the deal. You're going to choose. Not choosing is choosing. Not choosing to give yourself to God is choosing to just go with the flow of the world, immorality, sin, your flesh, the world, the flesh, and the devil, all of that. Or you're going to actively yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. Actively yield. What does that mean? Think about this. You're coming on an on-ramp. Car's here. You're coming on the on-ramp. There's a yield sign that's there. Who's supposed to yield? The person in the lane on the highway or the person entering the highway? Have you ever had someone not yield? Yeah. Okay, there's two options. You have the people that stop. Right? Don't you love those people? Yeah. Let me explain this concept to you. Merge. We, we need a class in high school on merge. And all the people said. Amen. Amen. But I want you to think about this yielding. The car, those who don't stop, all right, the other end of the extreme is there's no yielding. There's a car here. That other car comes up. This car has to get over. Who knows what's going to happen? Why? Because they did not actively yield. Yielding is not just giving yourself up. Yielding is Act uh, yielding is not just let going with the flow, yielding in the sense of giving yourself to God is actively submitting to His will through the Holy Spirit and through His Word. Give yourself to God. How many of you think that'd be a great way to start the new year? Lord, I'm yours this year. I made some bad decisions, I had my thought life was struggling, I made some bad choices. I am giving myself completely to you this year. That's the G, give. Then the R. The R, run. Run. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1. All right, it says, Wherefore seeing we are also, uh, therefore seeing we also are compassed about. Okay, Hebrews 12, 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Uh, what witnesses? Well, all those people that were just described in Hebrews chapter 11. Okay, so you have these people that have served the Lord. They've, they've yielded themselves to God. And God tells us that what their reward is, their faith. So, verse 12, chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight. How many of you, that's your commitment for lay aside some weight? And the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You know you got a race that's been set before you? God has put you on a course. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, And ye hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. You used to be dead in trespasses and sins, all right? And we've just described that. You were dead, but He's quickened you. He's made you alive, the new birth, born again, all right? But He's telling you to walk a certain way. Why? Because there are still people that are blinded by the world who walk according to the course of this world. The course of this world. And who are they controlled by? The spirit. The spirit of iniquity. The God of this world's blinded them. That's the course of this world. Um, we would go to the amusement park when the kids were little, and the kids could drive. And it was fun for them because they, they'd they steer, they'd do the gas, they'd do the brakes, and you could sit there and you wouldn't worry about it. Why? Because, yeah, they were really driving the car, but it was on a rail. And they only had about that much leeway. Right? That's the freedom that the world has. You know, uh, Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. Uh, Do you think that way is turning out well for him now? Elvis. Now I've heard that Elvis might have been saved, whatever. He didn't live like it. Brent knew. (laughs) (laughs) Now look, this is really important that we get this. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the ends thereof are the ways of... There's a right way, and that's the way that leads to righteousness. There's a right way. We are all running a race. God has put us on a course. It's a course of righteousness, or you're already on the course that Satan has established for you. The world thinks that they have freedom. They think that they have liberty. They think that they're doing it their own way. How many of you have ever noticed that the nonconformists all look alike? Why? Because they're conforming to the nonconformists. You know, if somebody, they have goth dress. Why? Because they're raging against the machine. Right? But they look like everybody else is raging against the machine. There's no true individuality. You're either following righteousness or you're following unrighteousness. Amen? It's so interesting the way that all of that works. You're either following Christ or you're following Satan. Those are the only two options, and we need to actively run. Now, how many of you, and don't raise your hand, it's been a while since you ran. I know that for me, when I try to run, my back hurts. (laughs) It's not supposed to be that way. It just hurts. Why? Because running is something that you must, you know, running is easy when there's a car coming at you. Right You lay down and get squirshed, or you run all right uh, We understand that, but to actively choose to put one foot in front of the other quickly that 's a conscious decision. The Bible here says that we 're supposed to run the race that 's set before us. how with patience with patience. Do we have any long distance runners? Believe it or not, I ran cross country in school uh, And what I thought was always funny were the guys, you'd take off in a race and you'd have some guys that would just sprint right out of the blocks. They're taking off. They're going. And you're starting off just a little bit slower. You're patient. And then what do you do? You have the kick at the end. You go. What are you doing? You're running with patience. I think about that with a running back. How many of you have seen a young running back gets the ball and runs right into his blockers? Have you ever seen that? What's he supposed to do? What would the coach tell him to do? Follow your blockers. Wait for the hole to open. Is that right? Now you understand that a lot of these guys are not rocket surgeons. Are you with me? What are they supposed to do? They're supposed to be prepared for what's happening. What we are supposed to do is we are supposed to run with patience. What does that mean? There's going to be trouble that comes. There's going to be trouble that comes. And then the other thing when you see patience in the Bible, track this down. When you see the word patience, there's there's almost always a reference to the return of Christ. Jesus Christ is coming back. Run until he comes. Run until he comes. So run. Run with patience. Look at 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9. Look at verse 24. Give yourself to God and run your race. 1 Corinthians 9, look at verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. you know what the good news is? Now, I don't know about you. My cross-country career... I never won. Because some of those guys that sprinted out, they kept sprinting the whole way, man. What's wrong with these guys? They could sprint for three miles. You know how old I am because we ran miles. But I remember the first time I broke 16 for three miles. Man, I threw up and there was nothing there. How many of you did not need to know that? It was a bummer. But, you know, I never won. I never won. Now, I won other things. It's okay. It's okay. But not that. Only one person got the prize. Do you know what the good news is about the Christian life? The Bible says we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You know what? Every believer has the opportunity to be rewarded by Jesus Christ. And what are we going to be rewarded with? Crowns to lay at His feet. What? Run well. Run all. Give it everything you have. Man, if we went outside right now and we had a race, we'd all fall down because it's very slippery. But if we went outside, there are some of these guys that they're just in shape. And then there's others of us that aren't. If we all went out and ran, there's only going to be one person that would win. And many of us would be hurt just moving. The first step you take, oh, there's the hammy. It's gone. I'm done. (laughs) Right? But that's not the Christian life. Do you know there are no restrictions for running in the Christian life? Except your sin. We're going to lay aside the the weights and the sin, which just so easily beset us. That's what we're supposed to do. We're going to set that aside and we're going to run. But it has to be a conscious decision. Give yourself to God and say, you know what, God, I'm in the race this time. I'm in the race. I'm going to run. I'm going to actively pursue reward from you. Lord, I want to live this year for you. I'm going to work for you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to love for you. I'm going to live for you. Amen? That's what we need to do. And some of you are thinking, I'm tired. The year just started. I'm coming through the holidays. I spent time with my in-laws. I'm tired. Look, everybody's tired. Life is hard. Get in the race. Run. All right, so give and run, and then enjoy. Enjoy. Do you know God's given you a great life? God's given you a great life. Uh, look with me at Matthew chapter 28. This is kind of a fun passage. Matthew 28. Look at verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. I love that. Angel just moves it. It's not really a big deal for the angel. He just sits on it. I got this. All right, then look at what it says. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. All right, so this is the Roman soldiers. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly, and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee, there shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. Now look at what it says. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples word. Well, can I tell you something? There's supposed to be joy in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Maybe a little bit of fear. But there is joy, and that joy makes you run. You have something to do. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. The one that we thought was dead. The one that we thought would deliver Israel. The one that we thought was going to be our Savior. He had been killed, but he's alive. He rose from the dead. I've got to run and tell somebody. I've got to run. I'm going to... I I can't just walk. This is important information. I've got to go and tell somebody that this has happened. You know, your Christian life is supposed to have some joy with it. I'm saved. Man, so many people in the Christian life, their life is just a life of misery. It's a life of misery. How many of you think that's attractive to the world? No, we're supposed to have a life of joy and excitement and and pleasure in serving Him. The greatest pleasure in the world comes from the joy that God gives us. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy of the Holy Ghost. There's joy and happiness to it. So you know what a great thing for you to do this year is be happy. Just be happy. Now I understand life gets hard. Life gets hard. But be happy. Have some joy in your Christian life. Wouldn't that be a good thing for us to do? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give myself to you, Lord. I'm going to get in the race. I'm going to find something to do for your work. And I'm going to be happy. I'm going to enjoy it. Can I tell you something? Serving the Lord is great. Right? I, I, you've heard this. Preachers have said that pastoring would be great if it wasn't for the people. Well, the only problem is... You can't pastor without people. And pastoring is great. It's wonderful to be able to serve other people. It's wonderful to watch people grow in the Lord. It's wonderful to watch people just give themselves to God. I love it. The Schmidt Myers came and they wanted to get saved. They came and visited a service and made an appointment with me and said, I said, what can I do for you? They said, at the end of your talk, you said... If you died today, you asked this question, if you died today, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? We don't know that. Can you tell us? That's awesome. That's only happened once in all my years of ministry. All right? And they gave themselves to the Lord. Can I tell you something? It's almost 17 years that I've been pastor here. That's why you do it. Seeing people give themselves to the Lord. And if we didn't have people... You wouldn't see that. Enjoy the fruit of your labor. You know, um, Brent, how many kids were you telling me have been saved this year in uh, TNT? 17 young people saved in TNT this year. Is that something to enjoy? The Bible says that there's, there's joy in heaven when one child comes to know the Lord. When one person comes, man, those angels, they're shouting. Wouldn't you, wouldn't, you, wouldn't you love to know what that sounds like? That'd be so awesome. You know, we ought to have some of that joy here. Last Sunday, a guy got saved. young man. Wanted to know how to be saved. Pastor Nathan took him through the plan of salvation. This young man came out and told me. He said, I just accepted Christ as my Savior. Praise the Lord. Is there any joy in that? Where is the joy in your Christian life? If it's not there, it's not because not God's not doing good stuff for you. It's because you are not Focusing on the good and choosing to enjoy what God brings into your life. Run your race with joy. Um, Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 11. Romans 5, verse 11. Let's start in verse 8. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood. Now that justified—that's a—that's a legal term. It means declared righteous. Okay. Moreover, or, or much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath, through, or from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son. Much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. So what does that mean? We are saved from our sin by His death, by his shed, the shedding of His blood. But we live eternally because He lives. He rose from the dead. He's the first fruits of the resurrection. We can live because He lives. We can also live. But then look at what it says in verse 11. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ... By whom we have now received the atonement. What is the atonement? That's Jesus Christ's satisfactory payment for our sin. And we can joy. Do you know why we don't joy? Because we get wrapped up in the world and in all of our problems. And we forget all that God has done for us. We need to remember we're free. He saved us if you're saved if you're not saved, you're going to hell. Don't be happy about that. Get saved. Amen? Amen. I know sometimes people say, Pastor, why do you have to say it so mean? Because they're going to hell. How about this? It's okay. Hell's forever. You sure you're going to burn forever? And No, it's horrible. It's a real place. It's eternal punishment. Get saved. And then when you get saved, be happy about it. Because you don't have to go to hell. You get to go to heaven. Praise God. You get done with a ball game. I'm going to Disney World. You know what? When this is over, I'm going to heaven. That's better than Disney World. The turkey legs aren't ten bucks. Give, run, enjoy. And then, oh, this is a hard one. You ready? Accept. Accept. Isn't it hard to accept your lot in life sometimes? Isn't that hard? There's a verse that we all know. Look at Philippians 4. It's the book about joy. Philippians 4, look at verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want. Now remember, Paul understood want. When you went to prison in those days, it was there was no cable TV. Okay, there was no gym to work out in. He understood want. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Now it's funny when you talk about people who move to Ohio. They've come from a different state. They don't know anybody. It's good to say, you know, be content even if your state is Ohio, right? But this is talking about the condition of your life. Content, content. Notice it doesn't say be happy about it. It doesn't say be joyful in your suffering. It says be content. Accept. Lord, I know this is where you have me right now. This is, this is where I am in life. My friend Dalton Robertson is going to preach for us next Sunday night. Um, He has moved to Michigan now with his family and uh, where his wife's family is. And it's up near Detroit. His wife's family is over near Grand Rapids. And um, his wife's mom has cancer and she fell this week. And so all of the children were in Florida on vacation, all the other children. Dalton and Lisa are up there. So they drove through the snow, drove through a storm, and they're able to be there in the hospital to help Lisa's dad. He has um, Parkinson's, very weak, very frail. And uh, I, I said this to someone, one of, one of you, I believe, that this is where we are in life. Those I'm 50, adults a little younger than me. That's where we are with our parents. That's the stage of life that we're in. And what I said to Dalt was, it's so good that you guys are there for this. And Dalt's wife, Lisa, of course feels that way. She's there to minister to and serve and love her dad while her mom's going through this and can be there to help. Now, sometimes people have to live through that for years and years where you're caring for someone for years and years and years. As a believer, here's the question. Are you willing to accept where God has placed you. For 2014, are you willing to accept the job that God has given you? Are you willing to accept the place where God has put you, the house that he has put you in, the car that you're driving, if you can't change any of those things right now, there's always the rag in the gas tank and a match if you have good insurance, but that's one way to change your lot in life. Now, what was jail life? <laughs> a joke. You know, we we need to stay within the bounds of the law. One good thing is let your teenager drive the car and then you don't have to worry about it anymore. It's going to snow today. Hey, why don't you run down to Dayton and do some shopping? And you get a new car. Maybe you need a new child after that. But now look, look, for 2014, if you're going to give yourself completely to God, if you're going to run your race, if you're going to enjoy the trip, There's going to be some stuff that you've got to accept along the way. Are you willing to accept where God has placed you? You know that that's an act of the will? It's an act of the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will help you do it. Look at 1 Timothy 6. 1 Timothy 6. Look at verse 6. It's such a good verse. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith. What's it say? Content. Content. Accept. Accept where you are in life. Is there someone here? You'd raise your hand right now so other people can see. And so you can say, you know what? Right now, it's going to be an act of the Holy Spirit for me to accept some things that are going on right now. Anybody here raise your hand so you can be a testimony to somebody else? Praise God. Amen. Amen. There's some things that we're going to need to accept. Accept. So give, run, enjoy, accept. And then here's the best one. Here's the best one. Trust. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Look at Psalm 73. What a great psalm this is. I I would say they're all great, but for this context, look at Psalm 73. Look at verse 26. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You know, that's where that whole idea of yielding yourself to God is. Have you ever had a weak heart? Now, I know some of you physically have had weak hearts. You've had open heart surgery or a stent put in or whatever. But what about when when your heart, when your drive, when your spirit is failing? Where's your strength? That comes from yielding to the Lord. Look at verse 27. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. Do you know what happens when you put your trust in Him? Uh, Then you realize how great He is and you're going to tell somebody else about it. Amen? Trust Him. Trust Him. Then look at Psalm 118, verse 8. Psalm 118, verse 8. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. You know, this year, there's going to be a lot of talk about the elections, the 2014 midterm elections. And do you know what we need to do to fix this country? We need to get the House and Senate back for the Republicans. That's going to make life so much better. Yeah! What do you think? Well, I do hope that we get conservatives in there and we can stop the socialist agenda and all of those kinds of things. But how are the Republicans doing on that so far? <laughs> Not very good. Now, as we get closer to do that, I'm sure that we'll talk about it. I hope that we can get some conservative candidates, all of that kind of stuff. I hope we can primary out some of these liberal Republicans, get somebody out there that has sense. All right? So, this is really important that we get this. Are we going to trust in those guys? We're going to put our, you know, Ronald Reagan stopped abortion, right? Ronald Reagan removed socialism. He was against communism and socialism. So Ronald Reagan was our president. When he got done, we were great, right? No, the next thing we have is George Bush and a thousand points of light. What? Then we end up with Bill Clinton. How'd that work out? And then George W. Bush. How is all this working out for us, folks? We can't trust in princes... We can't trust in government. We've got to put our trust in the Lord, rest in Him, and understand that if the United States becomes a communist nation, our job has not changed. We're supposed to give ourselves to God. We're supposed to run our race. We're supposed to enjoy where God has put us. We're supposed to accept the trouble. And we're supposed to trust in the Lord. It ha- our job has not changed. You want 2014 to be great? Just plug yourself in. To the recipe that God has given us. And you can have a great 2014. You know the best way to start 2014 if you're not saved is to get saved. Imagine that if you started this new year as a new creature. All the old things will be passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Do you know what the rest of us need to do? Forgetting those things which are behind. Looking forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What, What do you have to do to do that? Run. Amen? Run. Run. Thank you, Lord, so much for your word. Lord, simple truths from your word that I think everyone in the room needs, including me.